This episode of the Boss Builder Podcast is brought to you by Boss Builder Academy. If you are a newly promoted supervisor, somebody who's in the role and struggling, or even somebody who's thinking about one day making the transition to management, it is an overwhelming and stressful job. To help you out, please check out our Boss Builder Academy. Our Boss Builder Academy gives you the knowledge and skills you need to be a successful boss through a series of videos and guided discussions. It's something that you can do in as little as five minutes per day, and it will give you practical, tangible, tactical skills so you can be a great boss. For more information, check us out at www.thebossbuilders.com or call us at 931-221-2988. Well, hello and welcome to this episode of the Boss Builder Podcast, the podcast for those of you who are new to supervision, those of you in the role and struggling, and even those of you who are one day thinking about making the big transition to management. One of the key responsibilities you have as the boss is to develop people. Our guest today, Jennifer Leake, is an expert in the use of assessments. And so what you do with an assessment is you use a tool to help you sort through your talent, both existing and potentially new talent, and actually select the right fit for your organization. It is a lot more science than art, and it enhances your ability to screen candidates. She'll talk about what an assessment is, how to use it properly, how to use it legally, and most importantly, she'll give you some stats on why you really need to take this stuff seriously. At the end, Jennifer has a great resource for free on her website, so be sure to listen to the end, copy down the link that you hear, and go download the report that she has for you. She's a great guest. You're going to love her, so let's not wait any longer. Let's go ahead and chat with our special guest, Jennifer Leake. Jennifer Leake, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mac. I'm really glad you invited me. I appreciate it. I'm glad you're on the show too. We met, I guess it was about maybe eight or nine months ago. I was uh, doing a talk for a Sherm chapter in Roanoke where you live and you mentioned that you did assessments and I thought, you know, assessments are a vital part of, you know, personnel management, I guess, from both HR and management perspective. And so I really wanted to have you on the show to talk about this today so I've got a bunch of questions for you, but before we get to the questions, Jennifer, I was wondering if you could just share something about your background and how you got started in this business. Well, actually, it was sort of an interesting route because I'm, I was, went to pharmacy school, so I'm a, I was a pharmacist to begin with, and I was in the, a pharmacist in the days when you went to the corner drugstore. So I had to be a good listener. I had to have diagnostic skills. Um, I really gathered objective and subjective information standing behind that counter with people. And my training taught me that, you know, even if you have experience in a good gut feel, it's still vital to have objective information. Um, And it had to be information that had baselines and benchmarks. So I was recruited into pharmaceutical sales. I had a fast track career into management, really didn't plan to leave the company, but I got promoted into a from sales and management into a operations financial job, really as a grooming for future. And then I had a boss that we had been peers and fine, but when I went to work for him, it didn't do it well. So I probably could have handled the wrong job fit or the bad boss, but together I, I couldn't handle it. And I, after I was there you know, almost 10 years and I handled it for 18 months and then I quit. 
But the silver lining from that is it really ignited a passion to make that not happen, you know, to keep it from happening to other people. And really to prevent the loss of experience and, and the knowledge that I had. So I really was a little bit of a grieving process there. And so I first started as a sales trainer because I had been a, a, sale, a regional sales manager. And I get into these classes, Mac. I don't know if you've ever had that. But I get into these classes of salespeople that I was supposed to train to be better. And they just were not the they're not salespeople. And if, if they worked hard and I did amazing training, we weren't going to have results. And I really felt um, obligated to spend the money that they were investing in my training uh, well. So I said, how do I do this? How do I find out? To, how do I get the right people in the, in the job so that the training really works? And that's how I started in assessments. I, I was searching for an answer for some information um, and using some of that transferable skills from being a pharmacist. And I just happened to be in the right place at the right time in the late 90s assessments and because of the PC, we're just exploding in business. And I grew up in the assessment industry. Yeah. So give us a definition for assessment. Is, is that a test? What exactly is an assessment? I think most of the time when people hear the word assessment, they do think of a, a test. And really, if you look up the word assessment, it means to collect information or to evaluate you know, abilities and qualities of someone or something. So Anything that anytime you gather information is an assessment. Um, there's specifically more, uh, you know, surveys could be assessments. Um, an online, and I hate to use the word test because people think good, I got, I got a good answer or a bad answer. And, and really, the assessments we use in business today are designed to measure, and therefore we are gathering metric information on people. And that's even more important today with the advent of. Um, people analytics that has become just a big topic. I did a webinar on it last week. So what happens, I guess, is that you can hire a person by just having a gut feeling and, and seeing how they do in an interview, but that's no guarantee they're going to be a good fit. What you're saying is the assessment gives us some really, really good data that can, that now would that replace our gut feeling or would that simply enhance it or clarify it for us? That's a great question because that's exactly what I was going to step in and say that uh, assessment, we're not replacing anything. If you've got experience interviewing, you have a good instinct. And partly you want to take a look and see, you know, can I work with this person? Do I want them to carry my business name on their card and represent me? So we're not replacing experience. We're not replacing that feel. But only going with that will make you maybe turn away a great person that was having a bad day. And it also may make you fall in love with somebody that uh, isn't going to be able to perform for you. Even when you go, somebody who's taken from company A, it was doing well in company A, A, I have seen them be recruited into a different culture, different company, doing the same job and not be able to perform because it's a different boss, a different culture. Mm. So the assessment will help us gather information, compare it to people we already know that are successful and supplement and do the objective and the subject information. So we're balancing that and really digging deeper. Okay. You know, it's interesting because you keep popping up subjective and objective. And I think about, and I'm guessing you probably use this in your pharmaceutical days, the soap note in a patient's chart, which, you know, it helps you pull that data. There's the subjective, what the patient tells you and the objective, what the blood pressure, whatever 
And this is, it seems like it's very similar. It, it's just adding mm-hmm. some data that we can really, I guess, take to the bank, right? Right. And, and, you know, I shared with you that my mom recently passed away. And when we first got to the hospital, they were saying she had stage four lung cancer based on the x-ray. And because we had known she aspirated when she ate, we kept saying, no, she has aspiration pneumonia. And those are pus pockets, not cancer. So here was some objective information. I'm sorry. Yeah, objective information. But we had some subjective stuff that we had to fight for them to listen to. So you can't, I think in medicine and in people uh, management, you do need to do both. Yeah, well, it's really interesting. I've always kind of seen it the opposite is that, you know, the subjective is the starting point, you know, like, hey, I got a, I got a toothache. So we don't say, well, take off your shoes. Let's take a look, right? Mm-hmm. And then the objective you can take to the bank. But it's interesting, the subjective saved the day here, which is, uh, well, sadly, I guess it didn't, but it clarified, mm-hmm. you know, where we're going to invest our time and our resources. So assessments, you've told us what they are, why they're important. What kind of assessments are out there that a person could choose from? Well, I told you I grew, you know, the assessment industry grew. So that's the good news. The the bad news is, oh my gosh, you know, there are so many types and so many choices. I I think I was just a couple of years ago, I went to the, the National SHRM Conference. There must have been like 200 assessment companies. So first of all, there's, you know, I just do categories, Mac. There's skills assessment. Now you can measure. Do I and skills you can teach, but what if you don't have the time or you don't want to teach? So you have you can test for skills. Microsoft Office, maths, you know, it's those kinds of things. Um, you can measure for attitude. You can measure whether their values meet your company values. Um, a big one is measuring cognitive ability. Can they do the job? Will they be underwhelmed or overwhelmed by the nature of the job? If it's a busy job. We need somebody who can probably learn quickly and, and handle the multitasking. Um, if it's a job that's very repetitive, then we want a cognitive ability that is not going to get too underwhelmed by it and quit because they're so bored. Um, we want to we can measure personalities, and and that's a little different than behaviors, which is like you know Myers Briggs and, and DISC, but personality we're measuring what that capability is. Is it somebody who can it work independently or should they work? Or do they have to be overseen more? So there's, there's personality. So we're fitting them to the job, to the team, to the culture that we have, to the manager they have to work for. And then how we build teams and assign roles. Uh, and then there's surveys that are assessments. And, and more often uh, we use the surveys um, to do things like let's measure your emotional intelligence, um, your leadership, abilities and things like, you know, what should we do to help develop your sales abilities? So those are just a, a variety of those. And then there's a lot of companies that make those. So that's there is a, that's the vast choices we have, which is the good news. Well, that's the challenge then with all the choices. How do you pick the right one? And, and I guess the second piece of that, I guess I would be a little concerned if I was going to apply for a job in a company and um, maybe a hiring manager went around the HR person and said, hey, I found this really cool uh, Myers-Briggs knockoff assessment. We're just going to start giving this to the candidates. So how do I know which ones I should pick? How do I know which ones will not get me landed in court? Well, that's a big question, Max. So let me see if I can put that into bite-sized pieces for your listeners. First, let's talk about the legalities of it. Most assessments that are designed for business now have to be legally checked. They usually have a, a legal... Um, 
write up about it. Uh, there's an, the American Association of Test Publishers, so they're usually a member of that. Those are the ones that are checking to make sure there's no bias in the questions that they ask. You know, you know those old questions used to be, are you afraid to touch doorknobs? I mean, that was actually an assessment one time years ago. And a, and a retail store that was using it got sued and lost. <laughs> so you want to make sure that the company has asked the right questions. Um, the other thing is there's, this might be a good idea to talk about the two sort of classes of assessments. There's a lot of good assessments out there that have been around for a long time. I referenced Myers-Briggs and DISC before. And those are what we call behavioral styles. And they're, you know, do you, if, if you and I were sitting next to each other and I said, what size shoe do you think you wear, Mac? And you say, well, I think I wear a, a nine. And I look at my foot and I say, well, I, I think I wear a nine too. That's really what Myers-Briggs and DISCs and those, they're self-assessments, what I think I am. Now, maybe I'm trying to be something or maybe I, um, I don't really know myself real well. So that's why we don't use those in hiring. You can't legally defend that that was a requirement for the hiring. And you're really just getting a picture of who the person thinks they are. And that's ipsative assessments. And those that's Latin, I believe, for how I see myself. They're great for team building. They're great. When I teach sales training, how do you, how do you sort of modify your behavior to meet your prospect and be able to scan what they think they are? So there's some roles for that. But when we're doing things with people we don't know or really trying to create some strategies, we want to be able to remember those old machines that you went to the, I don't know if they're machines, but instruments, but you'd go to a shoe store and they'd stick your foot in the shoe measure and they, it was like silver. Well, that's what a normative assessment does. It has a standard metric that we measure everybody against. So going back to the shoe story, I think I'm a nine. You think you're a size foot, a nine foot. When we put ourselves in that machine, I find out I'm a eight and a half and you're a nine and a half. So we really weren't the same size shoe. So we want to use a normative assessment that has, has a little bit of a history with it. Um, and then uh, I'm trying to think what your whole question was. So the assessment itself has to come from a reliable source, not Cosmo magazine or something like that. Okay, good, good. <laughs> Yeah, that worries me a little bit. So, so now that we've narrowed down a little bit what we can't do, so how would I pick the right one then? Is there a okay, catalog think, yeah, somewhere? Think, how would I know which is the right one? Yeah, I think that was the other half. Well, you know, one of the things I see sometimes is people get, they see a report and they get all excited. Oh, this is what the report's all about. And I have sadly found that sometimes the reports with the biggest sizzle have the least um, research or technology behind it. So I always say the first thing you should do is figure out what you're trying to measure and then start to look for tools that would do that. So I tell people, if you were going to eat soup, that's what you want to do. So you're going to get a tool that allows you to do that. Don't pick up a pen and say, oh, I love this pen. Let's go eat soup with it. That's what we're going to use to write a letter to mom. <laughs> so, so really having a solid reason. So do I have turnover and I'm trying to reduce turnover? Then I need to find an assessment that's going to identify the traits of the people who stay and the people who leave. Um, you want to know how current it is. Myers-Briggs and DISC, what else are we using 
that's from the 1950s, you know? <laughs> so there's just been so much more technology. They're great. I'm not bashing either of them. I'm a disc certified person, but when we're this, the people metrics have gotten to such a technology level that I question why people use those when there's so many more available options to them. And then you reference this. I think you really want to know the, the the legality and the effectiveness of it. And if the company you're talking with can't tell you those kinds of things, then I would look elsewhere. It, and and I the other thing I would say is have it be used for more than one application. It can I like to bring in assessment systems to my clients so that they can use it in hiring when they need it. They can use it in team building when they need it. They can use it in promotions, which is a form of hiring, but people don't always remember that. They can use it in leadership development and training needs analysis and how they're going to coach and mentor people, which in emotional intelligence is a really, I'm not emotional intelligence, employee engagement, being coached and career development is really key. So can your assessment be that broad need for you uh, in your people management. And then lastly, does it fit my budget? I mean, there's, I have high, more high-end assessments when I need to do something very specific. And then I have some more manageable budget-conscious assessments because I'd rather they use something than nothing. And now let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Attention HR professionals and conference planners. Are you looking for a great speaker for your upcoming meetings or conference? Better contact Mac. Do you need someone who can relate to your audience and deliver a top-notch presentation? Better contact Mac. Are you trying to find a speaker who can both educate and entertain? Better contact Mac. Mac Monroe, the boss builder, is a sought-after keynote speaker and presenter who would love to present at your next meeting. His most popular topics are how to be a great boss for audiences of managers and executives, how to gain a seat at the table for HR professionals, and how to avoid ending up for all employees. Mac is a phenomenal storyteller, and his talks are lively, entertaining, and loaded with actionable strategies that will enable your attendees to make immediate positive changes. To get more information and book Mac to speak at your next conference or meeting, Go online to bettercontactmac.com or call us at 931-221-2988. And now, back to the show. Well, you've told us already that there's a lot of benefit to using assessments. So what are some other benefits we can gain if we do this? You mean like the applications or how we can use it? Yeah. So, I mean, you've told us that it could take maybe somebody who, by based on what they show up as, you might say, man, they're going to get bored with this job. And and they're going to want to leave after three months. So that's one application. Are there others that the assessments can help with? Assessments overall are always going to help you save time and get better information. So let's think of places where we're trying to save time or get better information. And one of them is in hiring. It's probably, I would say hiring is the where I get the first line or the most often requested um, information, you know, need for assessments. Um and, and because we're trying to find out why hardworking, talented people fail. Well, they fail because they don't have the ability to do the job. And that's what you just referenced. If I am bored by the job, I'm not going to stay. If I am overwhelmed by the job, I'm not going to stay. So I want to have the ability. Can I do the job? Not just skills, but the capability from a cognitive point of view. 
And then one of the reasons I left the company that after my promotion is I was promoted into a, from a job I loved to do. I love people. I love building relationships. And I was put into a job that was a lot of data and a lot of finance and a lot of analytics. And while I, I love the analytics of assessments, I love them because they help me understand people and build better relationships with people. So we have to match not only can we do the job, but we like to come to the job every day. You know, that was one of the pieces of advice my dad gave me really young. He said, you can be anything you want when you grow up, Jennifer. Just do something that you're going to like because you have to do it for a long time. So interest to me is is really important. Yeah. And then the capability. And we talked a little bit about fit. If if you and I were both hiring um, the same position, but we're maybe managers in different um, environments. So you're in one branch and I'm in another branch and we both have to hire an administrative assistant. Well, I need somebody who's going to dot the I's and cross the T's for me because I'm not, that's not my favorite thing and I'm not so good at it. Or I might need somebody who says, you know, I tell them, come to me when you have a problem. Otherwise, I want you to be pretty independent. I don't want to be babysitting. Now, I'm not saying this is you, but let's pretend that you are somebody who really needs to maybe, they have to be the people person for you. So you want them to be that one who builds the relationships with the rest of the team, maybe. Um, You also do like to oversee what they're doing. So if we hired, if I hire somebody who wants to be managed and doesn't like to do the details. That's a terrible fit for me, which might be a great fit for you. So that's why I always, I think people forget fit to boss. So we've got, you know, fit to the job, fit to the culture, fit to the boss that they're working for. And so job fit and capability is another piece that I think assessments can help you with. And then, you know, bottom line, the, they, I think some of the stats of the cost of a, a bad hire is about 30% of their first year earnings. And I think that's really conservative. So usually an assessment system that somebody implements is compensated just by avoiding one, long, one wrong hire. So hiring is, a, is one thing. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. But then we can go into, I think, I mean, there's just a myriad of things. We'll go into retention. You know, when you're not having to recruit and train new people, just think of the time that that frees up for you to do things like strategy and, you know, new initiatives and things like that. So retention is improved when you have assessment information on your people um, from the time you're onboarding them, how to do that, and then keeping them engaged. And then I mentioned this before, everybody wants this, but especially the younger workforce wants feedback and coaching. I mean, I know some places that I've talked to them and they've never had a performance appraisal in, a, in the whole time they've worked there, two, three, four years. So we need to be doing a better job of that and assessments can give us the information as managers or as HR people so that we are doing that. I think a lot of times it's not that they don't care about their employees. They're just so overworked. So they got so many other things on their plate that they don't know how to do it. They don't know what information to say. And so this assessments would help them do that. And then teams and conflict resolution, that's also helped with assessment information because you're again using some objective information of why there's conflict. And then I especially love it when people ask me to do training, especially leadership development, like you know, like you do, Mac. People will say, you know, I have this new manager or this new supervisor, and we want to make them a better communicator 
and a better leader. And I say, okay, let's just throw human being in there. And then we've covered everything. And, and can you do that training in an hour? You know, (laughs) (laughs) it's like a flu shot, right? (laughs) So I think that, I don't, I don't know if that shared, you know, does that give you some ideas of the ways you can use assessments and the value it brings? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm just thinking because our audience will probably be made up of HR professionals and managers. And so it seems like for the HR professional, anything that alleviates headaches is a good thing. And you've built a pretty good case that in terms of everything related to people management assessments can really help us. Let's turn our attention to the manager then. And so how can assessments specifically help the boss? Well, I mentioned it a second ago, but um, let's go back to that onboarding. You know, obviously it can help them hire the better people. It can help them have less turnover. But there's one thing that I don't think we've talked about yet, and it's maybe not thought of so much. I'm really interested in that first day that an employee has, their first hour, their first impressions, because you know they say that 25%, I'm sorry, I, yeah, actually 22%, I was looking down at my number because I couldn't remember what the number was, but 22% of new employees are looking for a new job in 45 days. That first impression we make is not wow. good. And then another 33% will be looking in the next six months. So part of retention means we only get, what's that What's that saying, Mac? We only get one chance to make a good first impression or something? Yeah, yeah. So when they go home, when they go home that first day and somebody says, how was your first day? We got to know how to make that a great first day. And how do we make a great first day to somebody we have no idea who they are yet because they just started working? I think that's one of the biggest values an assessment gives you. It tells you who this person is, maybe even better than they know themselves, the minute they walk in the door for you. And I could, I, you're going to you know, better manage and motivate them from day one. You're going to match them to the roles that they would love to do and that you need. You're going to be able to manage their strengths or use their strengths and then understand what their challenges are. That's where the coaching comes in. And then you can also maybe foresee a a potential conflict or misunderstanding. Let's say you have a very shy new employee. You don't want people to think that they're stuck up or don't like them. Or maybe you have already an environment of a team where they're sort of more quiet, team independent, don't really need to do a lot of chit chat, and you hire somebody who's very outgoing. So you need to be able to, you can anticipate, all right, don't think they don't like you. You need to not talk as much as you you know, let them warm up to you, those kinds of things. So I think so those are some of the roles that a boss could uh, could use assessments for. Yeah, well, I, you make a lot of sense and you make a really good case for having an additional tool to do a good job. And those, those stats are shocking. Um, you know, in the first 45 days, already looking for a new job. And I don't think you can just narrow that down to young people in the workforce. It sounds like if you feel like you're a part of something, you may just go ahead and stay. So everybody's headache, HR and management goes away. So how do we start, Jennifer? We've, we know this is something we ought to be thinking about. Where do we start? Well, I always, I call it, I say you have to look at your people system. Businesses run on systems. We've got a, we've got an accounting system. We have a payroll system. We maybe have a system for how we process orders or ship them out the door or whatever, you know, we have systems all over the place. We don't 
often have a people system of how we hire and manage and motivate and develop them. So probably the starting point would be what do you have a people system? What does it look like? Then the second piece would be where are you having your most frustrating or costly people problems? You know, is it turnover? Is it performance? Is it conflict? You know, we were talking about people thinking very quickly they might want to leave. You know, you talk to people or you talk to HR people or you talk to bosses or the employees who have left. Many times they'll say it just they just didn't fit. And, and now we can quantify what didn't fit and not repeat that, not repeat that personally as a, an employee and not repeat that um, as, a, as a company and as a boss. So what are some of your people problems? That's a great place. Find, that's, and many times that's how I get pulled in. They'll call me and say, we're having this issue. And I will say, all right, let's get some data. And then once we start to see how the people data is so valuable, that's why you want an assessment that has multiple uses because you don't want to have to use assessment A in here and then learn assessment B for over here and assessment C for back here. So if you have one assessment, it becomes sort of a company-wide knowledge base and it's just it's really valuable. So it's objective um, information. And then probably another start would be in a, maybe I call this a, sh- a, a shameless self-promotion, I sometimes am so close to my business, I don't see some really obvious things. And it's very valuable, I think, for my business to get an outside objective viewpoint. Um, They do say sometimes that consultants are people who look at your watch and tell you what time it is. And it's supposed to be an insult. And I always say, yes, that's exactly what I do. Because I'm not emotionally connected. I mean, I love your business. I'm going to be passionate about your business, but I'm not as emotionally vested in your business as you are. So an outside objective viewpoint who looks at your watch and tells you what time it is can be extremely valuable. And maybe you don't even have that watch. And maybe that's what the assessment is. I'm putting a watch on your wrist and teaching you how to read it so that you're on time. It's a great analogy. Well, That is what you do, Jennifer, right? You help people figure out the right assessments and how to use them. And if that's true, then I think you probably have a lot of people that need to get a hold of you so that they do this right. So how can my listeners connect with you? Well, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Jennifer Leak, L-E-A-K-E. If I'd love for you to connect with me. We try to post a lot of good information on there, both our information and information we're finding. So if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, that would be great. But tell me that you heard me on the podcast because sometimes I, if you don't tell me why you're, why we, how we know each other, sometimes I'm not as quick to respond. I'm going to, so tell me you heard that you heard me on the podcast, send me a LinkedIn invite. Would love to connect with you. Um, people can either also email me um, with questions they may have after they've listened to the podcast. And my email address is Jennifer, J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R, Jennifer at assessmentpros.com. And I have also created a, um, a landing page for your listeners, Mac. And if they want to go to this domain, uh, this URL, it's bit.ly 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 forward slash y assessments 
I'd love for them to download uh, a, a small ebook that I have. It's called Six uh, Key Mistakes in Interviewing and Hiring. And I wrote it a couple years ago when I was looking at the word candidate. And I saw at the end of that word is the word date. And it suddenly dawned on me that what we do in dating and what we do maybe in interviewing have some similarities. So I came up with six things that we do wrong when we're interviewing candidates, like for you know, things like you believe everything they say, you fall in love <laughs> too quickly, you think you can change them later. Those are just a few of those. So it's a real short read, but it, it also can show you how assessments the mistakes we can make and how assessments can keep us from doing that. I love it. So that is bit.ly slash Y is that W H Y? Yes. W W H Y assessments yeah. with an S, right? Yes. So it's bit.ly.com and it's a forward slash Y assessments. It's a short read. I hope they'll find it a little humorous and um, good information. That's great. Well, Jennifer, I appreciate you taking time to be on the show and to share all this information. And if you're listening to this, make sure you reach out. If you're going to invest, you want to make sure you do it right. Jennifer can show you the way. So Jennifer, thank you again. And uh, best of luck as you continue to, I guess, enlighten the world with assessments. Well, thank you, Mac. It's been always fun. I'm sort of president of the of your fan club here in Virginia. And uh, I, I just... I'm, Appreciate the chance to be with you again, and uh, thank you to your listeners. Well, thanks for taking the time to listen to another episode of the Boss Builder Podcast. You know, if you're listening to these as you are commuting to and from work, I would highly recommend you listen again when you get home just so you can take some notes. We do our best to get you great information and sometimes if you're like me, you got to write the stuff down. On another note, for your further development, if you work for an organization and you think that it would be valuable to partner with us, which I think is a good idea, we invite you to check us out online at thebossbuilders.com. We have three options, our signature driving results on-site workshop, which our trainers come out and deliver for you. We also have our very popular Boss Builder Academy, which is video-driven. And we also offer the option of having your organization license our training materials so that your trainers can go ahead and deliver them on site. If you're listening to our podcast on iTunes or on Stitcher, the other thing we'd appreciate is if you could just take a moment and leave us a brief, positive, of course, review. That would really help us out a great deal. And refer this podcast to anybody you know that you think could benefit from it. Until the next time we meet. Get out there, boss up, boss on, and more importantly, make a commitment to being the boss at being a great boss. Goodbye.